Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. I, uh, I want to start by asking this question. Is anybody, and normally I wouldn't do this because I'm not trying to embarrass you, but is anybody a first-time guest today? Would you raise your hand? Let's go. Front row even. First-time guest. No, no, no. Let's give these guys a round of applause. Come on. We are, uh, I am glad that you're here because there's a lot of churches that are great churches in our city. And uh, you could have picked any one of those and you came here today. And so I want to say welcome. I hope that I hope that you move from being a guest to being a part of the Impact family. That's our prayer and our hope for you. Uh, with that said, today's sermon is going to be really weird for the first time guests. <laughs> but they're not always like this. But, but it's needed. It's needed. And... Uh, you know, today's message is probably not going to get like the most views on our YouTube channel. It's not going to get like all these likes on my Instagram page. You're probably going to dislike it. Is there a dislike option? You might dislike it on my Instagram page. This message is not going to, it's not going to tickle your ears. I'm not going to tell you that God's got you and that he's got your miracle, even though he does. But I'm not going to tell you that. I, uh... You're not going to stand up and shout me down and amen me like you always do. It's not happening today. I'm just telling you, it's not happening. And, uh, but this message is long overdue and much, much needed. And so I've titled my message today, Don't Be a Bougie Believer. Look at somebody and tell them, he's definitely talking to you today. Come on. Father, we thank you for this day and your word. Speak to us, hit us, hit us upside the head, Lord. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. Amen. Don't be a bougie. Let's give our worship team a round of applause. Man, you guys are fire. Don't be a bougie believer. Look at somebody and tell them the same thing. Don't be a bougie believer. Now, I, I feel like I need to define bougie believer because I made it up. I've never heard the two words together. So I get to tell you what I think a bougie believer is before I get into a bougie believer is a believer that, you know, like I'm going to go to church as long as all the conditions are perfect. Right. I'm going to, I got to have the perfect service time for me. Well, the Cardinals are playing. I'm not going to church today. The bougie believers, if it's not, if it's not convenient, I'm not going. I don't want to have to drive a long way, right? If, 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 I, if, there's, if I can't park easily, I'm not going. That's the bougie believer, right? At, at churches, it better not be too hot in there, which, by the way, it never is at Impact Church. It can't be too cold, it's a bougie believer. They better have donuts when I, they better not be hard. They, I better, hey, better have, they ran out of the Butterfinger coffee, right? The bougie believer, the bougie believer 
is like, man, it, it, I'll go as long as it's not overcrowded. The bougie believer is like, I'm going to stay home and watch online. I just want to speak to all my online people for a minute. I just want to sit in my underwear and eat my waffles and watch PT from my living room. And uh, I'm speaking to all the Arizona people watching online. But if you're outside of Arizona, you, you get a break. You get off the hook. A bougie believer is the, the, the believer, the, the Christian who chases the blessings of God, but not the character of God. See, they're, they're selfish. They're entitled. And, and you know, I'm blown away. I mean, blown away is an understatement. I'm blown away, humbled, humbled with gratitude every single Sunday that before the sun even comes out, before the sun comes out, I pull into our church parking lot and I get here around, I don't know, 6.30, 7, somewhere in that ballpark. I pull in and I'm blown away because Impact Church volunteers are already here. I call them dream team because teamwork makes the dream work. So they're the dream team, right? They're already here before you get here. And they are loading up trucks and golf carts and they are driving it around for hours, putting out signs that say no church parking. Look at somebody and tell no church parking. Now, now I don't know if y'all ready for this, but, but they put up 360 no parking signs. And 360 bricks to hold the signs down. It's not glamorous. They're not getting paid. They're not doing it to be seen because nobody sees them. There's nothing bougie about what they're doing. They do it because they love Jesus Christ. They do it because they love Impact Church. They do it because they love you. And they do it because they love their neighbors. They do it out of a heart of service. Serving is the heart of our Savior. Okay, say it out loud. Serving is the heart of our Savior. And I just want to say publicly to those of you that do this every week and to all of our dream team, I want to publicly say thank you because this church would not be what it is without you guys. So thank you. John, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys should help me out and say thank you. You can do better than that. Come on, somebody say thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you. You are demonstrating the heart of a servant, which is the heart of our Savior. But I want you to look at the person you came to church with and say, but wait, are you a bougie believer? Are you a bougie believer? Because I'm also blown away on Sundays. That after all that selfless, hard work and service and time and effort that's put into that, many of you still park there in front of the sign that says no impact church parking. And that blows me away because that's selfish. That's the bougie believer. 
And some of you already know who you are because your face is turning red right now. You said, oh, no, that's me. That's selfish. That's a bougie believer. And, and imagine this. Imagine for a minute being one of our neighbors, our businesses, and imagine you're trying to just make a living and imagine that you have zero parking spots for your customers because Impact Church, Jesus-loving Christians took them. And I got news for you. We hear complaint after complaint after complaint after complaint after complaint. We are having Google reviews, bad Google reviews written by people that have never even been to the church. Because we are being selfish. And frankly put, you're giving Impact Church a bad name. You're giving God a bad name. You're giving me a bad name. I didn't do it. I just happened to be the pastor. And one of the very first things that Jesus taught about in Matthew chapter 5, if you remember, he talks about the fact that you're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. I want to read to you in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It says, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light, a light, a lamp, whatever it says, and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify your father in heaven. Let's read verse 16 out loud together. Ready? Here we go. In the same way. Y'all with me or no? Okay. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, let your light shine so that they actually want the same Jesus that you have within you. Let your light shine so they actually want what you have. Right? So, Impact Church, we have a problem. The problem is, is that we outgrew our brand new facility within the first year. That's a problem. It's a good problem, but it's a problem. We tell ourselves every week as staff, these are good problems to have. Churches all over the planet would love to have these problems. You know, the average church in the United States of America is 90 people a Sunday. 90. Churches would love to have these problems. Nonetheless, it is still a problem. We also have a solution. And the solution is this vision of one day building our own permanent our own permanent building the impact church arena that's the solution that's the vision in the meantime we have five more years here that we have an opportunity to let our lights shine and to figure out how to love our neighbors so today i want to give you three ways that you and i can let our lights shine and stop being bougie believers. Number one, you let your light shine by serving selflessly. Because there's a lot of ways you can serve. Some people serve for money. Some people serve out of, you know, I don't really want to do this. Serve selflessly. Selfless, right? Servant heartedness. A servant's heart is the heart of our Savior. A servant's heart is the heart of our Savior. I need to serve selflessly. When I, when I first became a Christian, 
I, uh, I was 17 and I got, I got saved and I was at church and my church was a mobile church. We met in a high school gymnasium. We had to set up and tear down. We had to set out all the chairs, tear all the chairs down, cart the chairs into a truck, drive the truck away. We had to set up the sound system, tear down the sound system, set up the screens, tear down the screens. We had to set up everything. And I remember after church, I was a baby Christian. Church was over and, and I'm standing there and I'm socializing with my homies. And my pastor, who's still my pastor to this day, he walks by carting chairs. Dude just preached twice. He's carting chairs and he looks over at me and he goes, one day you're going to get it. And I said, get what? And he just smiled and he goes, one day you're going to get it. And he kept going. You know, fast forward about two months later, I'm carting chairs after the service. And he walks over to me with his cart and he goes, you got it. You got it. I said, got what? He said, you got it. The heart of the servant is the heart of our savior. Serving is see a need, fill a need. That is the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. We have needs that we need to see so that we can fill them. The heart of the servant is the heart of this savior. You, you remember Jesus, Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment in the Bible was in the law. There were 600 laws in Jewish law. Is it Jesus? What's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said, the second is like it. What does he say? Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Put others first, love your neighbor as yourself. This is what it says in Philippians two verses three and four. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Listen, our world is sick. We live in an egocentric, self-centered world. The world says it's about me. It's about what I can get out of this deal. Even relationships, it's about me, 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 me. The world is diseased. It is sick. It's entitled, but you are not of the world. You are in the world and you are not of the world. You cannot be, listen, you cannot be a man or a woman of God and also be entitled. I told you it's not going to get a lot of YouTube views, but it's the word. the uncomfortable preacher laugh that nobody knows what he's laughing about. (laughs) Value others above yourself. Look at somebody and tell them, stop being so selfish. Stop being so selfish, self-absorbed, full of yourself. Look at somebody else and say, get your mind off yourself. Come on, get your mind off yourself. See, God flips the entire concept upside down. Jesus, who is God, the king of all kings, says, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. He's God. He's God. I, this, I'm going to share this tonight with the Phoenix Suns in our chapel. He's God, right? It's like in the world, you become somebody. I don't even know how you become somebody. We make somebody somebody. 
there, somebody. And now we all serve them. God was somebody. And he said, I came to serve you. I came to serve you. He, he flipped it upside down. He flipped it upside down. He said in Philippians 2, I've humbled myself from God to become a man, to die a death, a, a criminal death, for something I've never even done. I, I've humbled myself. Look what it says in John 13. You remember this, this, this passage where he, he washed the feet of his disciples? You remember this? Say yes, say yes, say yes. So he gets up from the table, he takes off his robe, he wraps a towel around his waist, and he pours water into the basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet. And he dried them with the towel and he ate around him. And then he said, let's read this part out loud together. I have given you an example to follow. Keep going. Do as I have done to you. I, I have given you the example to follow. Do as I... This is a powerful illustration, okay? He says, look, it, life is about serving others. It's not about self-serving. It, it, the, the sooner you figure this out, the more fulfilled you'll be in life. That life is about serving others. Life is about what Jesus did. He said, give my life away for you. That's what, what he's calling us to do. I give my life away for your life. The sooner you learn this, the more, the more happy and healthy you'll be. For those of you that are married, you want a healthy marriage? Put the other one first. Value her or him above yourself. You want a healthy family? Put your family first. You want a healthy work environment? Put your employees, your teammates, your coworkers. Put them first. See, it's, it's totally opposite of what the world says. He, he flips it upside down. So he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition, but value others above yourself. So I, I've thought of some ways that we could love our neighbor like we love ourselves. Some, some ways we could love our neighbors right in here in this retail center and put them first. So I'm going to give you the A, B, C, and D. Ready? Here we go. A, park in our off-site parking. I felt the Holy Ghost right there. You, you know we have off-site parking? It, I don't know if you know that or not. But like, park in the... Let everybody look at my hand. It's that way. You know where Acoma Road is? It, it's just like, here's the north, or what are we on, the south Thunderbird, whatever it's called. Then there's the north one. It's just right there. And then there's Acoma. And the, 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 the parking is over there. Right? And here's the crazy thing for all of you bougie people. It's covered. It's covered parking. It's covered, my God Almighty. It's covered parking to protect the paint on your bougie cars. And it's not that far. You, you can walk and be here in like three and a half to five minutes. Or, woo, we have shuttles. Bougie style. Mercedes sprinters. Like only a Scottsdale church would have. That three different families in the church donated. They were like a hundred grand a pop. <laughs> and 
We have 8,000 golf carts. And, and, and so, you know, if you're going to, I got to dig into this. I got to keep digging. Got to dig deeper. If you're going to park in the offsite parking space, can you, don't, don't show up late. Show up early. I know some of you filled in the blank and you were thinking on time. That was all the 20 year olds because they think on time means on time. But how many old enough to know that if you're not early, you are, you're not early, you're late. I understand that I'm also the world's greatest preacher, but this is what I can't figure out. Like about half the church shows up for the preaching, but not the worship. Not, not the music. <laughs> it's, and I'm flattered. Really, I am. But the, the preaching, what the... God does not get anything out of the sermon. This is the third time I've said this. God does not get anything. He is the sermon. If you want to stop being selfish, get here early and start worshiping Jesus and start laying your life down. Anyway, I told my team I'm not preaching today. I'm teaching because last week I blew my voice out. Last week I preached and I blew my voice out. Okay, listen, the freaking Mercedes Sprinters. They're not Dodge. They're not Ford. They're not Kia. We did it right, man. Get here early and jump in a Mercedes. Okay, free up, free up your parking spot for a first-time guest that's never been here before. And do not, do not, do not say it with me. Do not, do not park in a no parking spot. I pray the curses of God on you if you park in front of an Impact Church no parking spot. I pray you get a flat tire and your catalytic converter gets stolen. Don't worry. I want you to be safe. I'm just praying your car lights on fire. <laughs> okay, letter B. I got four of them for you. A, A, A is parking offside park. B, B, join the dream team. As our volunteer, I, I hereby commission you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I put you in the game. It's time to get off the bench and get in the game. It's time to stop being a spectator and start being a participator. It's time to stop being a hearer of the word. Fill me up, fill me up, fill me up. And start being a doer of the word. This, this section ain't one clappity clap over here. Thank you. Taking it all in. Taking it all in. It's like a spanking. Who claps? You're like. <laughs> you know that we need, we need you. I was talking to my staff last week and I said, how many of you could use more volunteers? Like, seriously, don't, don't, don't tell me a story if you don't need it. How many could use more? Every hand. Every hand. 
We could use more volunteers. Can, can, can you get in the game? We need you. God needs you. Our church needs you. Our church family needs you. Our neighbors, they need you. You, you know, we, we, need, we need golf cart drivers. We need Mercedes Sprint. I asked Pastor Randy, who's ahead of our parking lot ministry. It's such an amazing parking lot out there. That I said, Pastor Randy, I said, so tell me about the sprinters. We have plenty of drivers. And he said, no, I need 18 drivers scheduled throughout all day. I said, how many have? He said, three. Yeah, three. I got three. We need parking lot greeters, parking lot tenants. We need, we need, we need every area of church. We need more dream team members. More, more. We need more volunteers. So join the dream team. Look, I want everybody to take out their phone real quick and scan this QR code. Will you do that? Take it out. Take it. Take out your phone and scan the QR code because this is to go through our impact church growth track. Okay. There are four classes. They're one hour each. They're all online in November. So you can sit at home in your underwear and watch them. And these classes tell you who we are, what we believe, why we believe it, what we're trying to do. And then at the end, you'll become an Impact Church member. And then you are now coached up qualified and ready to serve. So I want you to scan. I want you to sign up. I want this to be like our most attended growth track we've ever had. Okay. There's also a table in the lobby that it's got balloons. It's cool because we're trying to entice you to come to it. And it's got a table where you can get information about volunteering. And I know even as I say this now, some of you are going to be like, well, I ain't volunteering. And I'm asking you to get off the bench and get in the game. Get off the bench and get in the game. Okay, let, let, let's move on. Okay, number three, the third thing. It's not number three, it's letter C. These are not in your outline. I just made these up. Okay, C. I, this one's going to hurt. This is like a horse kick to the chops. This is, this is, and I know 90% of you won't do it, but even if 10% of you do, that will be helpful. Go to the third service. Start attending the third service. I know this is, I'm selfish. This is my service because I can do this and then I can go to brunch and I can still watch the football game, take my Sunday nap. <laughs> selfish. Bougie. <laughs> because, you know, this service is, is, is full. And the general rule of thumb for church attendance is when a service like this is 80% full, they tell you, you need to start another service. You know why? Can I illustrate? I'm going to illustrate. Thank you for letting me because I was going to do it anyway. This is why. A lot shorter than I look, huh? Once I get down here. This is, this is why 80%. Here's the 80% rule. I don't know either of you, right? And I'm coming to church for the first time. Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? This is super awkward. Right? It's really awkward. I mean, literally, our shoulders are touching. Mine to both of your shoulders. I do not know either of you. And so what happens is you have parking filled up. You have the street filled up. You see that agility? That was fire. And so this service is more than 80% full. The first service is more than 80% full. We have room in the, in the 1230, but nobody wants to go because, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. 
Oh, that's bougie. He's on a screen. Oh, it's a video. I couldn't watch him if he's not really there in person. My God, first world problems. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach live three times every Sunday. And what's going to happen is your pastor is going to fry out and burn out. But, but you guys couldn't go to the noon because he's not there. And like this matters. I'm bigger than this on the noon. I'm literally on that in the 1230 service. Don't be bougie. So I told you guys wouldn't like this sermon. Like, I'm not going to post this clip and you're going to like, share, share, share. This one's good. But, he, but here's the fourth one. Here's the fourth one. How do you love your neighbor? How, how do you, I, this is what I want you to do. Letter D is I want you to flood every business in these two retail centers with our business. Flood their businesses with business. Go buy their hamburgers. Go buy their sushi. Go buy their Chinese food. Go down to the batteries. I don't need no battery. Buy a battery anyway. Go to Goodwill. I'm too bougie for Goodwill. Buy something in Goodwill. By the way, like the thrifting's in anyway. It's like a new day, you know. It's like back in, you know, thrifting. And so, if you go to a restaurant, how many with me? You with me? You with me? Everybody okay? I told you, this is, this is more like internal business today. If you go to the restaurant, can I just say this? Will you just tip really, 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 really well? Like, like not because, you know, that's relative and some people think, I do, I tip 10% every time. Or some people like, I tip 20%. I want you guys to know that I am a child that was raised by his mama who waited tables his whole childhood, that is hard, 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 hard work. Okay? You do not ever tip under 20 per, ever. 20 is the bottom. Okay? Give them 30, 50%, 80%. Give, give, them, give them whatever. And then put on there, Impact Church loves you. Put on there, my pastor loves you. My church loves you. Thank you. Be a light. That's being a light. That's being a light. Being a light. Okay? Flood their businesses with business. Love on them. Thank you. How about this? How crazy would this be if you prayed for them? Hey, can I pray for you? What? I just want to pray for you. Pray for them. Okay, let's move on. Number two. Number one is serve. Number two, give generously. Thank you. That was like, you had to muster up that amen. He's like, amen. I mean, he's right. Amen. (laughs) Give generously. Give generously. You know, just like I do, that the world is full of takers. The the world is full of takers. I'm always greedy, lusting, material possessions. I want more. I'm always taking. Right? Be, be, Be generous. Give. There's a difference in giving and giving generously, right? You can have, you can give with all sorts of motives, right? Remember when you were a kid and you were at lunch and your, your homie had a bag of Skittles and you were like, bro, can I have one? (laughs) 
He found the yellow one. You know, and you're like, never mind. Keep the freaking Skittle. I don't want it anyway. Give generously would be, I keep the yellow one and I give you the whole bag. That's generosity. Give generously. Give generously. God wants us to give generously. Not just to be givers. Give generously. Give up your parking spot. Give, give, Give your time and serve God. Here's one of the best kept secrets. There shouldn't be a secret in life. And we should let the world know. Is that true living comes from giving. Is that true joy comes from generosity. True joy comes from generosity. True joy. Some of you... You're, you're not full of joy because you don't give anything. You, you have no joy because you're stingy. You're selfish. The, the world tells us the opposite. You know, the world persuades it. Like if you just get, 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 take, 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 keep, keep, keep. Those are all lies, lies, lies. Joy comes from generosity. Joy is birthed through generosity. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Generosity gives you joy. Say it out loud. Generosity is what gives you joy. And it's fun to give. It's fulfilling to give. It gives me a reward. It feels great to just give. And and, and you're most like Christ when you give. The the, the pillar verse of the whole Bible. If you get some of the Bible up in one verse, it would be John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. He gave his one, his most prized possession. He loved so he gave everything. He gave. That's generosity. And in and, and the world, you know, they just, I've noticed this, is that they just keep taking and taking and taking and taking and keeping and keeping and getting and getting and hoarding and hoarding and stockpiling and stockpiling. And what I've noticed is at the same time, it's getting more and more miserable. By the way, do you know where the word miserable comes from? The, the root word is miser. Do you know what a miser is? A miser is, is someone who's extremely stingy, a, a selfish person, a, a taker, hoarder, stockpiling, a grasping person. I'm always grasping. That's what a miser is. Misers are miserable. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells this story. It's about the parable. It's called the parable of the rich fool. And it is a fool. Fool is a key word. He says in verse 16, then he said, be aware, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. What a problem. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger barns. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for the years to come. Now you can take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? See, to me, this sounds like the world that we live in today. It's like greedy, greedy, and enough is never enough. And more is never more. And I need more, and I want more, and more, and more, and more. And one house isn't enough, so I need another house. And not only 
that, but that's not enough. And so I need another house. And I got four or five or six or eight houses in all the places that I like to go. And that's not really enough. So I got a nice car. Actually, I got like 15 cars because one car is not enough. And I can't have that kind of car. I got to have this kind of car because that's what seems like enough to me. And listen, listen, this is really important because I know a lot of you got more than one house. And I know you're like, oh, man, man, PT. on Okay. It is not a sin to have more than one house. It's not a sin to have a hundred houses. It's not a sin to have 15 cars. It's not a sin to have stuff. Having stuff isn't bad. It's not a sin to have stuff. Owning stuff is not the issue. The issue is when stuff owns you. And how do you know if stuff owns you? Because the proof is in your giving and your generosity. That's how you know. That's how you know. This is why Jesus spoke more about money and possessions than any other topic. Did you know that? Two-thirds of his parables are about money and possession. Because he knew that you and I... We need a little coaching on this topic. This is why he said things like it's easier for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Not that they can't enter the kingdom of God. It's just that what happens is we fall into the trap where stuff now owns us. So how do you know if stuff owns you? You're selfish. You're not generous. You're a stingy, selfish person. You're always taking. Enough is never enough. You're a miser. But true living comes from giving. Joy is birthed through generosity. If you want true joy, true purpose, true fulfillment in life, Tear down your barns and give it all away. That's where joy comes from. Okay? Some of you give your junk to goodwill and call yourself generous. That's a sermon title. His brother's going to move his car right now. He's like, I cannot. The conviction of God. <laughs> Let's go. It's about 15 years ago, my best friend's uh, sister, she died from cancer. And uh, she was a 28-year-old law student at Gonzaga. And she was a triathlete. She was a health nut. She got stomach cancer. And she was given four months to live, and she lived six. And she died, and we were devastated. And... I needed to fly up to Spokane, Washington last minute. And so I'm looking for a quick, cheap route to Spokane. And so I booked a Southwest ticket. And I don't recommend Southwest. It's the devil's airline, in case anybody's curious. Can't pick your own seat. It's overcrowded. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I'm, I'm devastated. I'm broken. I'm, I'm hurting. Uh, I'm already, if, you didn't, if, you, if today's your first day, uh, you, you wouldn't probably know this, but I'm introverted. So like 
I know it seems weird because I get on the stage and I do my thing, but I don't have to talk to anybody. Or I, I should say I don't have to hear you talk to me. But, like, I just do my thing. And I'm, I'm working on it. I work through it. But, like, sometimes I know people are like, man, he's rude. He's mean. He walked by me. It's just because I'm awkward and introverted. And I'm fine up here. But if I start one-on-one with you, like, I start panicking. Like, this is not okay. And I remember getting on this plane. And I was like, Lord Jesus, you know and I know. And you made me this way. I didn't make me this way. You made me this way. And I don't want to sit by anybody on this plane, God. I'm sad. I'm already awkward and introverted. So please, God, if you're real, (laughs) I need the seat next. I said, you know what? I'm going to go to the far back and sit in the back row where the chairs don't recline because nobody wants those seats. And I mean, how cheap is the airline industry? Like, you couldn't add three, four inches to the plane so that the back row could recline just a smidge too, you know? And so I sit in the back, and God is so good. How many know God is good? God is so good. And I'm by myself, and the plane is full, and nobody else is getting on. I got, just in case, these big, the biggest headphones you can buy, just so it's like, I'm busy. Like, don't bother me. And I've got sunglasses on. And I've done this before. If I'm walking through the airport, I've got these sunglasses. My wife is like, baby, you can, you got to take those off. It doesn't, I know what you're doing, but everybody else doesn't. And it just looks like, you know, you're too cool for school. And, and she's right. I'm just trying to act like I don't exist to everybody and anybody. And I get, I get on the, the plane. And I'm sitting there. And it's like five minutes. Nobody else's plane's packed, but my row's empty. I'm like, God is good. And then wouldn't you know, in walks the most flashy flamboyant, loud individual I have maybe ever met in my life. And there are only two seats left on this plane and they are by me. He's walking down the aisle, like flirting with every girl on the edge of the aisle. And he's lied. He's got these big gold chains and I'm flat build hat that says club something or another. And I'm just like, God, no, there's no God. There's not a God. There's no God. And so I do what every good preacher would do. I act like I'm asleep. You know what I'm saying? Just <laughs> Don't act like you haven't done that. Because I know if you're on Southwest, you, all you ladies, you put your purses in the other two seats and backpack. You got a puppet. Looks like a human. It's like, it's, this is taken. This is taken. <laughs> right? And this dude sits by me and he's huge. He's like an Andre Wadsworth type looking dude, right? And of course I'm sleeping and he goes like this to my shoulder. Right there. He's like, hey, what's your name? And I said, Travis. And he said, ask me mine. Legit. And I said, what's your name? And he said, crocodile. (laughs) True story. I'm like, God, you have a sense of humor. I am not okay with this. You know what I said? I said, it's nice to meet you, crocodile. Like, I thought I heard it wrong. Like, nice to meet you, crocodile. (laughs) And then he goes, ask me why. I said, why? 
This is their smile. He goes, because baby boy, crocodile's going to make you smile. There is definitely not a God. I said, this is, this is not what I asked for. So we're on the plane for two hours. And then the very next question is checkmate. It's checkmate for me. He says, what do you do for a living? If I tell him I'm a pastor... I have to be nice and talk to this guy now. <laughs> you know, what do I say in that moment? I'm like, oh, a strip club owner? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I said, well, I pastor a church, you know, and, oh, what church? And, you know, started talking about pastoring, you know, pro athletes and this and that. And he goes, well, he goes, man, this is crazy. This is crazy, man, because he goes, I was Mike Tyson's trainer. And he rolls up his sleeve and shows me a big tat of Mike's face. It says Team Tyson. And I was like, that's crazy, you know. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then he's just like talking non, like nonchalant. You know, like you're like, yeah, I went to Sprouts. He's like, yeah, and I got, went to prison. I'm like, yo, whoa. What'd you go to prison for? And he goes, manslaughter. Yeah. <laughs> this is a crocodile ain't making me smile right now. So I said, what for? And he said, manslaughter. He said, we killed a dude with baseball bats. I don't really know where you take the conversation from there, you know? So, you know, when the planes, you just like, please just land already. And I need reception because I need to Google this joker and I need to text my wife in case I'm next. <laughs> and I tell Natalie and Natalie's like, Travis, do not, whatever you do, do not give him your number. <laughs> so we land and we're like, hey, nice to meet you. He goes, hey, brother. <laughs> I'd love to get your number. Keep up with you. And so, um, I gave him my number because I didn't want to die or something, you know? And, and, but when we were on the plane, it's crazy because he was telling me all these stories, like, about Mike and this whole, and he was like, man, one time we were on this jet, and we were going to, you know, Hong Kong, and he's like, man, we were on private jet, Travis, and he said, man, we had all these girls on the jet, and we had all this food, all the food, the luxury food, and he said, man, I was just like in heaven. He said, I looked at Mike and I said, Mike, we're living now, Mike, aren't we? We're living now. And I said, what do you think now? And he said, you know, it was pretty surface. And I said, man, one thing I've been learning in my own life, and I told him the same phrase, it's the first time I've said this phrase, is I said, I'm learning that true living comes from giving. You really find life when you lose life. And that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. I, I want to read to you what Jesus said in Luke 6, 38. He said, give away your life. 
you'll find life given back, but not merely given back, but given back with a bonus and a blessing. Then he says, giving, not getting is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Giving is the way. Not getting, giving is the way. I think we need to ask ourselves some hard questions today. And the question is, are you generous? Not do you give, are you generous? Do you give generously? Do you give, not one time, not last year, not four years ago. Are you consistently a generous giver? Do you give generously consistently? Do you give generously to others? Do you give generously to your family members, your extended family members? Do you give generously to your, uh, your um, neighbors, to your coworkers, to those in need? Do you give generously to God? Do you put God first in your tithe, in your offering? You know, it's interesting in the Bible, we, we learn about tithing. We learn about tithing and tithing is giving 10% of all my income back to God. It's, it's, it's God. By the way, when you give your tithe, you're not actually giving because it's already his. He says in Leviticus, he says, the tithe is the Lord's and it is holy. It's like if I gave you a thousand bucks and I said, here's a thousand bucks. I just want a hundred back. And you were like, nah, I'm going to go spend it on McDonald's. It's like, you know, I give you everything that you have, everything that you are, all your gifts, all your abilities, your emotions, every connection, your personality. I gave you the ability to go produce the wealth that you produce. I just, I just want 10% back. Right? And then he says offering because the Bible talks about both. It talks about both. And I want to read to you Malachi 3 verses 8 through 12. He says, will a mere mortal, in other words, will a human, will a human being rob God? Yet you rob me. How could you possibly rob God? He says, how? How are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Then he says, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Somebody say, test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see. Somebody say, and see. Test and see. Test and see. Test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Yeah, amen is right. You know, he says, I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. Then all the, then, then when, when you give your tithe and offer, then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This is the only place in the Bible where God says, test me, test me and see, test me and see, test me. And it's the only place God says, test me and see. Why would he say, test me and see? Is this like some game for God? No, it's not some game. It's because the test is the tithe. The test is not the money. The test is the heart. The test is the heart, right? And so God blesses the obedient, right? The, the, the tithing, it reveals your heart. It reveals your heart. Man, some people want to give to everything else under the sun, but not God. 
I'll buy $7 coffees all day, every day. I don't even give to God. You know, we talk about tipping 20, 30%. You don't even tip God 10%. <laughs> I know I came ready today. It, it's, you know, it's, God blesses a, an obedient heart. He blesses a generous heart. He blesses a heart that takes him, his, his church and his kingdom serious. I have a question. Has anybody been to Europe? Raise your hand. Europe. Look at this. All these bougie barn builders, Europe, Europe. I've been to Europe and I get to go It's a privilege. I get to go every single summer and preach in Switzerland at two different churches, one Sunday, then another Sunday. And then between the two Sundays, my family and I get a free family vacation out of it. It's so much fun. And and in Switzerland and Europe, it's like States, you know, it's like, it's not that far. So we're in Switzerland. Let's take a train over to Venice. And we spend a a week in Venice. Let's take a trip over to train over to Paris. And we take a little one hour flight over to London. It's pretty cool. Right. And so, 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 Imagine for a minute, imagine for a minute, for, for those of you that have been in Europe, have you ever seen all the cool cathedrals? I'm a preacher. And you know what I always think? How in the world did they raise the money for this? And some of those things would be like 500 million, 800 million, a billion dollars today. The, we went to the one in Milan. Have you seen that thing? Have you ever been to that one? Milano. Thing is crazy. Just Google, not now, but Google the cathedral in Milan. I have a picture. I look like this big in front of it. It's massive, right? And I often think, man, like, God, I'm going to burn my team out. I'm going to burn my worship team out. I'm going to burn my staff out. I'm going to burn my volunteers out. I'm going to burn my kids workers out. God, I'm going to burn out. I can't preach the way I preach. Do you understand? I can sit on a stool and talk about Jesus till the, the, the sun goes down. The way I preach. I'm here to give you everything I've got. I'm here to empty this sucker out. Every drip, every drop. God, I can't do that three times every single Sunday for the long haul and not burn out, flame out, fail out, something out. Right? And so I think like, man, if the church only understood the power of money, they understand the power of selfish selfishness. But if they understood the tool, the weapon, the weapon, if I had a hundred percent of impact church family tithing, tithing, a hundred percent of you give 10% of your income back to God just for 12 months, we could build a hundred million dollar arena cash. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding, man. I I don't want to be in a makeshift rental facility. I want to leave a legacy. I want kids as grandkids as grandkids as grandkids coming from the Middle East and coming from Europe, coming over to see, man, did you see that Impact Church building? Yeah, we took pictures in front of it. Isn't that thing amazing? The The church, man, like, I don't know how much more, like, authentic, real, practical, passionate I can be. Natalie and I are tithers. We, we, we don't tithe. We over tithe. See, he says your tithes and your offerings. By the way, if you've never given above your tithe, you've never given God an offering. Because an offering is anything above your tithe. And I know a lot of you are going to leave here and you're going to give me the spiritual bird and you're not going to do it anyway. Listen, you're not going to test God, so you're not going to pass the test. 
Some of you will never pass the test. Test me and I'll never pass the test because you're not going to take the test. And, and I just feel the need to say this, like, because some, sometimes people, they want to bargain with God. Listen, there's a big difference between testing God and bargaining with God. Bargaining is, God, if you do this for me, then I'll do it. He ain't doing it. God, if you give me that deal, I'll give Tim. No, he ain't doing it. You ain't getting that deal. God, if you help me with, nope, if you give me a raise, God, because money's kind of, he ain't giving you a raise. He says, test me. Test me. You test me. And I can tell you, if you're looking for a living testimony, I mean, I'm it. I'm it. I am a living testimony of God's goodness and his blessing and the floodgates of heaven being poured out upon me so much so that my wife and I and our kids, we don't have enough room for it. If you got to know us and you got close to us, we, we just trying to give stuff. We like a funnel. We just trying to give stuff away like a vessel. That's what God wants from all of us. He says, test me in this. And then look what he says here in second Corinthians nine verses two through eight. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. For God loves a what? A cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Number three, the third and final way today to let your light shine is to live sacrificially. You know, in Romans 12, it says this scripture that I use quite, a, quite often. And it says, therefore, this is the words of Paul to the Romans. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a what? Living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That is true worship. I offer God my body, soul, mind, my spirit. He says living sacrifice. Sacrifice means that there is pain attached to it. It's going to hurt because I'm giving up my life for yours. It means there's a cost. It means the price is paid, right? And I'm not talking about giving up your parking spot. That's not a sacrifice. Coming to church a little early. That's not sacrificial. It requires you, you crucify your flesh. James 2, it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I who live, but it is the Christ who lives inside of me. Sacrifice. Sac- Paul knew when he targeted the Romans with this, the Romans knew about sacrifice. They knew about it. They knew about it because the first century Christians, first century believers, they knew about sacrifice. Because the entire Old Testament is about animal sacrifice. If, if you don't know, this is crazy to think about, but in the Old Testament, before Christ, they had to bring a sacrifice. And that sacrifice had to be alive, and it had to be without blemish. And they had to lay it at the altar for forgiveness of their sins. Okay, listen, animal sacrifices were God's way of dealing with Israel's sin and Israel's rebellion. Without defect, without blemish. Or it could not be sacrificed. They'd lay it on the altar. Uh, uh, they, they would lay a sacrifice. It would be a bull. It could be a goat. It could be a sheep. It could be a dove. You lay it on the altar. And as they slit the throat of this bull. And the blood was spilled. And life was taken. 
It was a serious illustration of the sin of mankind and the price that had to be paid for it. And then Jesus comes along. And Jesus in the New Testament is the substitute for the animal sacrifice. And we read this as the first verse that he gave up his life as a ransom for your sin. The blood of an animal symbolized the life pouring out. The blood of Jesus Christ symbolized his life being poured out. And that same blood gives you life. So when Paul says, offer your bodies a living sacrifice to the Romans, man, this was something they knew all too much about. Surrender your life is what he's saying. Lay it on the altar. Lay it on the altar. Like, could you imagine bringing a bull to the altar and it's just the ear? Hey, where's the rest? I just brought my ears today. I just want to hear the word. Fill me up. Woo! I feel another sermon coming. Them bull ass ears. I got it. It's coming. It's, I'm brewing right now. This is the thing. It's like, you know, you bring the whole sacrifice, man. Present your bodies, body, soul, mind, spirit as a living sacrifice. Jesus was the final sacrifice. By the way, that's why we don't sacrifice animals anymore. Wouldn't it have been weird to live back then? Yeah. If we did that today, hey, all I know is it would be cats. We'd be sacrificing cats. <laughs> Demonic things. <laughs> I know, I know, that's what I'm saying. Dogs going to heaven. Dogs are the Lord's pet. In 1 Peter 1.19, he says, the precious blood of Christ, the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was sinless. In John 1.29, it says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, look, the lamb of God. Who takes away the sin of the world. And I close with this scripture. You've probably heard this one before. But John 15, 13. It says greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life. For one's friends. That's what love looks like. You cannot love without sacrifice. Father we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. I thank you for our Impact Church family. And if you're here today and you've never taken a step of faith to surrender your life to Jesus, to lay it all down for him, to offer your body a living sacrifice, I want to invite you. Would you do that now? And pray, Jesus, here I am. I lay down my life for you. I want to live for you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for paying that price and the ransom. Fill me full of your Holy Spirit. Fill me. Baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Give me a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Give me a hunger and a thirst for your word and not for the world. God, help me to be selfless. A servant. Give me the heart of our Savior. To be generous. God, to give generously. God, to live sacrificially. To put my life on the back burner and everybody else around me, in front of me. That I value others above myself. 
God, we thank you for your love, your word, your power, your presence, and your goodness. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say, Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit www.impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.